Hi, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madhvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week we'll be discussing a different trend or topic so you can stay informed the easy way. So, Madhvi, what's the topic this week? This week, I am delighted to welcome onto the podcast a dear, dear friend, Alakina Mann. She is an artist who created a 3D model of the clitoris as part of her master's thesis in medical visualization. And she's also a somatic coach. So she knows a lot about the body in general and female anatomy in particular. And I thought it was especially important at this time to have a really informed discussion about women's bodies since Roe versus Wade was overturned in the US and much of the discussion about women's bodies is centering around the abortion debate. But our bodies and our lives are so much more than that, or at least they deserve to be so much more than that, and talked about and appreciated in much, much wider terms than the battlefield that they've become marked out by, by the patriarchy. So that's where Ali comes in. Like all of us, she's concerned about the terrible lack of rights for women when it comes to abortions, but whenever I look at her Insta stories, I see a really good balance between information about the ways that our culture, society, and especially medical institutions really undermine the complexity and power of women's bodies. But then I also see posts about orgasmic births and the anatomy of the clitoris and how we can kind of listen to and take full pleasure in our bodies. So in this time of rage and having the same old battles over women's bodies, I'm really, really, really excited to talk to Ali as our guest here today. Yay! Thank you so much for having me on and I'm so excited to talk about everything you just said. Yeah, me too. I think everyone wants to know about the clitoris. But before we get to that, you did an MA in medical visualization. Mm -hmm. Can you explain like what that is and what struck you most when you studied it? Mm, uh, Nice question. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it was medical visualization and human anatomy. So I kind of got a great overview of human anatomy. Um, And then the visualization part of it is kind of I guess, communicating about the body, about medicine, and that can either be to help the medical community learn more about techniques, procedures, all all of the above, or to help communicate with the public about all of the above. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I love the side that was communicating with the public, because I think that, yeah, it's kind of no good if all the sort of medical Uh, knowledge is kind of just kept within the medical community yeah we want to spread the good stuff um yeah I think you've talked a bit about like how what was really missing in the literature and the research and the knowledge about the human anatomy was like female anatomy in general yeah I I was very confused I think because I just read come as you are by Emily Nagoski which is a fantastic book. And what I'd read in there, I hadn't learned about in this anatomy course, or I kind of maybe, you know, just a very quick overview of it. And I felt very, um, I don't know, I think it's, you know, we'd spent 
a day on the kidney, but then when it got to like the clitoris, it was kind of just, they just kind of glide over it. And it's usually just like the, the very tip of the clitoris that they talk about, which is what you can see from the vulva from the outside and not. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see the full clitoris as this internal structure, whereas I did for pretty much every other part of the body. And they also sort of for each organ limb muscle you learn the form and the function so Mm -hmm. what does it look like where is it and then what does it do and there was really very 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 little of that for the kind of female sexual genitalia and there was nothing about pleasure it's all kind of sexual function which is a very like broad like reproduction yeah pretty much Mm. yeah yeah pretty much solely that i also wanted to ask you like what was great about the book? Yeah, Come As You Are. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd read it a little bit before my master's, but I think that was the first time I saw a proper diagram of the clitoris. And I was like 25 or something and I like had quite an expensive education. And like, wow, I this is an insanely essential piece of information to mm. have been missed for so many years. And I think, I don't know, I can speak for myself. I'm sure I speak for a lot of people, but then... When you've had that information missed, you think that it's you that's wrong. Or do you know what I mean? Mm. I think you assume, oh, everyone can't have uh, missed this essential piece of mm. information. It must be me. I'm missing something or I'm wrong. Or mm. I've, I don't know, gotten the wrong end of the stick or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I didn't also learn anything about the whole full picture of the clitoris when I was young, but it didn't exist then. Mm. I think it came out... Mm. I remember the Guardian has an article on it and they showed this beautiful picture of this like flower-like, uh, orchid-like thing. And it was the first time an actual full picture of the clitoris emerged. How many years ago? Not that many years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, well, the kind of sources I was working from, from the anatomy was from this woman, Helen O'Connell, who is a Australian neurologist, and she was just sick to death of seeing all these just wrong, yeah, wrong textbooks and not seeing the clitoris properly. And so she did like three anatomical journals, like 1998, I think 2005, 2008. And that was kind of the first, well, it's insane to say this, I'm saying the first proper anatomical description illustration of like the full clitoris Mm. and I think before that there was one guy in like France in like the 18th century who did a pretty good job um but again you know it was like one and then it's really interesting like when you look back the clitoris in medical literature medical imaging it sort of gets like lost and then found again over the centuries which is really interesting that they could just lose it and then find it again and uh then like i don't know it's just funny that like some student is like guys i found like i've discovered like i don't know we're not mars like do you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) why do you think that is is it because female pleasure is just not important i think it's because it's really powerful and incredible and huge and i think that's very scary for the church, the patriarchy, and I think it was just really well suppressed for a very, very long time, and now it's coming out. <laughs> Our clitorises will no longer be suppressed. Or is it clitori? Ooh, I don't know. Good question. <laughs> You're the literacy person? <laughs> yeah. uh, no idea. Cool. Okay, so 
everyone wants to know more about the clitoris. <laughs> Give us all the good stuff, assuming yeah. that we don't know anything, which, to be fair, we don't. Yeah, I, yeah, and I'm sorry if, if this is repeating, but um, I think the thing that really interested me was learning that the clitoris and the penis are analogous. They come from the same origin. So they are the same organ until I think it's week nine in utero. And then depending on your chromosomes, if you've got the XY, the male, then it releases hormones and that becomes a penis. It kind of protrudes to become a penis. And then if you don't have that Y chromosome, you it stays as a vulva, it stays as a clitoris. Uh, which is also interesting that like it's the default. Um, yeah, and that's also where intersex can come into play. I think there's five elements that determine sex. It's your genitals, your secondary sex organs, so breasts, the chromosome. Uh, hormones? Hormones, yes. Nice one, thank you. And then I think just how you identify in your mind, soul. Yeah, I kind of don't know so much about that. That's kind of where my knowledge stops but yeah but I think thinking about it in that terms and I think because we get so much awareness of the penis I don't know about you but like from such a young age people are drawing it on the bathroom toilets like do you know what I mean I was gonna say yeah. they're drawn all over the walls <laughs> yeah, they're graffitied all over Berlin <laughs> yeah and I think we just culturally have so much like understanding and even if you don't have a penis I mean I yeah, obviously, I don't know what it's like to own one, but um, mm. I think it just gives that perspective of what an essential organ it is to your sexual well-being, life, everything. Yeah, yeah. I think on this podcast, we covered Dr. Emily Wilmington's book, Fallacy, and she also said, culturally, we attach so much cultural power to the penis just in our like buildings and monuments mm. and like it's a symbol of power mm. and strength and then she was saying well actually also that is a bit of a fallacy in a way because like I think she put it in a really funny way she said like this is an organ that can't even penetrate a soft avocado <laughs> 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 you know it's it's not that great, but we do put, like, we attach to it a lot of power and violence and conquering and all this kind of stuff to the image of the penis. So we've centered it in our culture and we haven't really done that with the beautiful clitoris. Mm, that's really, really interesting. That's such a good point. Like, the violence aspect of it as well. And yeah, there's kind of a lot of problematic stuff in mm. that messaging. But then um, it's very visible and, yeah, as you said, really centered. And yeah, I think the clitoris is just oh, it's just been like a kind of whisper or an afterthought for so long. And mm. I'm so excited that there just seems to be this huge movement, or maybe it's just my bubble or my circles. But I feel like there's just a big movement to, yeah, just give it a lot more visibility and space mm. and talk about it and how do we want to, I don't know, make sense of it or... Um, celebrate it. Yeah, ce celebrate it and I think kind of make sense of it and how we want to sort of define it or mm. something like this yeah mm. yeah because we're kind of getting to start from scratch because it has been in the shadows for so long that um yeah we're getting to do that now i think 
Yeah, we. Uh, I don't know if you saw that reel on Instagram where men were asked to like identify the clitoris <laughs> on a picture, and there's just disgustingly uh, horrible ignorance around this. <laughs> they were just like there somewhere. It's like, oh, guys, are you actually having sex with women? <laughs> Is this what you're bringing? <laughs> You should be ashamed. Um, so tell us about the anatomy of the clitoris. Yeah, absolutely. And I think guys don't know, but I think also women don't know, or people with clitorises don't know, or yeah, many, many don't. But yeah, the anatomy, you've got the tip that you can feel and touch in the vulva that hopefully feels good. And then it's this whole, like 90% of it is internal. It's kind of the tip of the iceberg so if you're if you're sitting down right now you can feel your sit bones which is what you're sitting on that's kind of yeah your sit bones are the sort of tip of your pelvis and then if you mentally can touch the top of your you know like the kind of mons pubis so like if you're wearing jeans where like the zipper ends if you know what I mean yeah that like mons pubis and then you can kind of go kind of round and down a bit. And the internal structure follows basically from, well, I guess from the tip of the clitoris. And then it, it runs along your pelvis to your sit bones. Oh, sorry, it's quite hard to explain that. It's so 3D. It's quite big then. It's quite long. It's about nine centimetres. This is like the legs. Yeah. From the tip, about nine centimetres. So on either side, it's stretching out nine centimetres inside. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So you've got those two. Those are like the legs of the clitoris. And then you've got the bulbs of the clitoris, which sit either side of the opening of your vagina, kind of under your, where your like labia, the inner labia is. And so basically that's why there's so, that your kind of, your vulva is almost like a wrapping for your clitoris, for the internal bulbs of the clitoris, which is why it feels really nice around there. And I think that's why as well, when you get turned on, those bulbs kind of swell and they engorge like a penis. That mm. swells and engorges. But however, because you've got the vagina and not a penis one of its kind of essential qualities is that it's elastic it's really stretchy and that means it can stretch but it also comes back to how it was if you know what I mean there's Mm -hmm. none of that you know there's like horrible myths that like oh you'll be kind of saggy or I don't know there's like horrible if you have too much sex or if you have a child yeah I know somebody who had a child in Berlin Mm. and the nurse said I'll stitch you up tighter ugh Oh, it gives me chills. It's horrible. Yeah. Oh, oh. Sorry. Sorry it's, that. It has to be addressed. Do you know what I mean? These myths have to be put to bed. Otherwise, they will carry on. And nurses, God, the last people who should be saying things like that. But also, they were never taught this. I can't impress that enough. When I was looking through midwifery textbooks, I did not see an image of the 3D clitoris. And these are only really recently starting to work its way into medical knowledge. And sometimes I see the textbook has quoted Helen O'Connell in these journals, but not included the image or only part of it. Do you mm. just sort of see what I mean? And yeah. so it's a really slow trickle down, which is really infuriating. But hopefully the this movement will 
speed things up a bit. <laughs> I was just thinking there while you were using the words like vulva and vagina mm. that a lot of people actually misuse the mm. word vagina mm -hmm. to mean vulva. Do you want to just do a definition of both things? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. The vulva is everything you can see with your eye, really. It's kind of a collective term. So your outer labia and then the inner labia, sometimes called labia majora and minor. But obviously some people's labia is, um, like their inner labia can be longer than their outer labia. And I think there's also a lot of misconceptions that you have to have a... Everything tucked exactly, in. Exactly. Yeah, mm. exactly. Um, whereas it's all normal, beautiful, wonderful. And most importantly, it all works the same. Do you know what I mean? Like it mm. all will, it's there for your own good feeling, your own good sensation, because that's also what I... Yeah, that's a, that's a real shame about the fact that we do not see or celebrate diverse vulvas because mm. labiaplasties are on mm. the rise massively mm. and especially, you know, with online images and porn and stuff that all of the vulvas look tucked in in style which is actually not true mm -hmm. there are like as many diverse vulvas i guess as there are people absolutely yeah i think that's such a good analogy i was thinking of like like your face like we've all got the same eyes nose mouth but they're all slightly different and that's part of the beautiful richness of life and i really want to stress that labiaplasty can potentially reduce sensation because you're taking out part of your genitalia that is part of your sexual feeling I want to say function but feeling really all your nerve endings are there and obviously if there's some medical reason why you need something like that then that's absolutely fair enough and your your choice but the uh, side effects of that are not publicized enough and people do not go into it fully informed is my understanding a lot of the time. Oh, that's scandalous. Yeah. I would have really thought awful. they have to tell you about it when they... I think it's kind of like, you know, in the sort of like terms and conditions, T's and C's, like risks may include la 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 la, but I think it's not really... Do you know what I mean? Like fully... Mm. There's a woman called Jessica Pinn who does a lot of work around this. She had exactly that happen. She had a labiaplasty and lost a lot of sensation and had no idea that it, that, that was a thing. So I think that's something that's really important to talk about. But sorry, I kind of got off topic. Yeah, so yeah, vulva collective term for all the external genitalia you can see. So outer labia, inner labia, clitoris, and then kind of the outside of the vagina that you can see. And then the vagina is more of that kind of internal structure where your tampon goes if you use tampons. And... I think it's also interesting what I learned from studying Helen O'Connell's books was that the lower down vagina is just really closely related to the clitoris internally. Basically, I think the most interesting takeaway I took from Helen O'Connell's journals with the clitoris is that the clitoris, the urethra, and the distal vagina, so that lower down vagina where you, that kind of immediate part of the vagina, are all super, super closely related. They all share the same nerve endings, they work together, which is why often it's kind of what the G-spot 
people can talk about because it's the front wall which is also the urethra which is also just super connected with the clitoris um, and the urethra is thank you that is the where you pee from your pee tube if you like and then around your pee tube is the urethral sponge which is basically like a kind of tube around the tube and that that's the bit that works really closely with the clitoris but yeah and i think that was interesting because then you have a kind of higher up deeper area of the vagina so that's usually where you know where your cervix is so it's kind of where like almost like the top of your vagina or like where it where it ends and you can have a feel around i encourage you to do so but just be aware that your cervix has quite a different feeling and texture depending on what time of the month you're in if you're still menstruating so i i think i heard like sometimes it feels like the tip of your nose and sometimes it feels like your lips and so just yeah be aware because I also remember feeling before I had much awareness and I was always like oh god is there something wrong something's different do you know what I mean Mm. something's different so just just be aware and also when you're super super aroused your cervix it kind of your sort of uterus pulls away and that exposes a, some nerve endings at the top of your vagina um, and this is called tenting so if you want to google tenting you can probably get a good diagram and that yeah reveals some really good nerves and I think that can be sometimes why there's many reasons why penetration can sometimes be painful but that's also one reason of maybe you're not super ready for it yet or you're not maybe quite aroused the cervix hasn't moved away and that kind of exposes some nerve endings at the top of the vagina, which also can feel really good. But again, this is kind of only when you're really feeling it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but also, I think some people do like the sensation of penetration on their cervix as well. Mm. Everyone's different, and that's all good. And then because the urethra, the clitoris, and the lower vagina are super interconnected how does this relate to squirting or basically yeah Yeah. the release of a lot of yeah water fluid from this area when you have an orgasm is this like a real thing is it peeing is it a mix of both (laughs) Um, is it a myth yeah it is definitely not a myth dear reader Uh, yeah <laughs> life goals yeah <laughs> yeah that is so it's usually usually not always if your kind of play is more focused on that front wall of your vagina because it's kind of stimulating along the urethra and the urethral sponge and it's um it's not pee um it's i think it's the same fluid as you know semen is part sperm and then part another fluid which I've I'm blanking on the name and it's that same fluid that is the not sperm fluid if that makes sense bodily fluid and they come from little glands that are either side of the urethral sponge Mm -hmm. and again this is something I found insanely hard to research I don't know if that was just my research skills but I was really like digging around for more information about that and didn't feel particularly consistent but I don't know maybe it's something I'd like to have another go at now maybe there's a bit more 
or research. I know. Mm. Yeah. But I think in general, there just needs to be more research done. Yeah. And like one of the things that's kind of related that you talk about is birth and how we handle birth in general. Mm. And then you also talk about orgasmic birth. It's interesting because I I think because I started off really passionate about researching everything to do with female sexual pleasure that wasn't to do with reproduction because it was so valuable on its own and doesn't need to be connected to reproduction to be important and then ironically that's just led me into birth and how absolutely interconnected it is I mean it's all the same organs when you think about it it's all the same chemicals hormones drive birth and drive sex oxytocin and I think the biggest thing obviously I've been really taking a deep dive into the clitoris but I think that was one of the biggest things that surprised me how the birth canal in midwifery textbooks didn't include this 3d clitoris and I think learning more and more and I've been reading I've been reading hundreds of birth stories and there's a fantastic midwife called Ina May Gaskin she's in the states and yeah she talks about if you can stimulate your clitoris during birth then that can like like it does in sex it relaxes your vagina you swell you have all the blood flow you know your vagina becomes more stretchy and fisting is a thing that many people find very very pleasurable that's also really not spoken about that much mm. and i think you know and i've read many stories of people using like vibrators during birth and I mean, it's kind of, you've got this amazing organ right at the tip of your birth canal and we're not using it. And mm. and I can understand that that might be very, I think for a lot of people with their midwife around or their doctor, they don't want to be touching themselves, even though it, it could maybe greatly help their birthing experience. And I mean, you're already in a position of yeah. supreme vulnerability. So though, vulnerable. So like, yeah. I mean, if it's going to help you, <laughs> yeah. like, yes. go to town. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest kind of physiological thing that I've been interested to find out. And there's really not much research again on orgasmic birth, but it definitely happens. I found one study made by a bunch of Australian midwives. They did a big study on it and they did a big journal about how sex mirrors birth and the other way around. And, you know, the hormones that drive it and also the conditions that you need for birth are also the conditions that you need for good sex. So privacy, safety, intimacy, good feelings, feeling of love and people sometimes like to be massaged or and have a dark calm room and just all of those things that to you say safety good feelings mm. intimacy love if you have connected partner that you're there with some touch that was one thing that Inamay Gaskin wrote about a lot she saw that partners who had a lot of like deep kissing during birth oh just relaxed you know that's a great feeling when you have a beautiful kiss and it relaxes your whole body and when you're relaxed, you can birth. Mm. Your body can do what it will do amazingly. But I think, I don't know, it's strange because on the one hand, medicine knows this and they know that fear is a huge blocker to birth. All mammals will 
if they're observed or interrupted, their labour will stop until they can go and find somewhere safe. It's why your cat goes under the stairs to give birth. They want that safe, quiet place. Yeah, and this is like old knowledge. And so on the one hand, medicine knows it, but for some reason is not fully respecting it. And I don't know, I can only speak for the UK. You know, they have some midwifery-led units where they try and create that calm atmosphere, but such a small percentage of the population actually get to experience birth in that setting or at home, and I that makes me very cross. So here in Germany, actually, midwives are a bigger thing, uh-huh. and it was actually introduced by the Nazis. The um, really? Yeah, so we have um, more of a midwife culture in Germany, and you have also birthing places. Mm. My friend who's going to have a child is going to go to not a hospital, but a place where there's just midwives Mm -hmm. and it's much calmer. And like you say, she only has to pay like 600 euros for Mm -hmm. it, which Mm -hmm. is amazing Mm -hmm. to go to this special other place. But I think because you were saying, I don't know why that is. I think it's because simply women's pain and also their pleasure Mm -hmm. has simply just not been taken seriously. Mm -hmm. It's been taken for granted that women must be in pain all the way from like the Bible onwards, you know, uh, that was just the man's story was like, oh, women get to do childbirth and that's the punishment for eating the apple or whatever, you know. And women's pain is also not taken seriously, like our period cramps or all of that are just not addressed. Mm. And then our pleasure also, like you said, the clitoris is the one organ that is there purely Mm. for our pleasure And nobody cares about it. Mm. It doesn't matter. Like women's pleasure doesn't matter and women's pain doesn't matter. And women's... Women being in pain or suffering is just taken as a, well, Mm. they can live with it kind of thing, which is sort of disgusting. It's horrendous. Yeah. yeah, As you say, the clitoris that was there only for pleasure was written out of medical textbooks for hundreds of years. And it's so... And it's it's amazing and it's, it's revolutionary also in our society to acknowledge, especially in like Western Christian sort of society... That like one thing in our body, the entire function is just pleasure. Mm. Like that's a whole <laughs> philosophical approach to life. Yeah. You know, like it tells you so much. Like to acknowledge yeah. that is kind of scary because then that's like acknowledging that a lot of our lives is just to like take pleasure in mm. our bodies and our lives, right? And that's kind of a weirdly a revolutionary idea. Yeah. I mean, it is shocking and terrible that it's been written out, but also just given the type of society we live in and and how it's developed in our culture, it kind of makes sense too. (laughs) How has it influenced you, though? I think it's fascinating that you specifically were like, I'm just going to concentrate on the clitoris and uh, I'm going to concentrate on female pleasure. That's a really interesting move yeah (laughs) thanks i agree it's been absolutely fascinating at times it can be very alienating i think i struggled with it a lot at uni because my my thesis title was basically the clitoris and female pleasure and that is unusual Oh, it was completely personal. There's this phrase, it's like, research is me-search, which is just the truest thing ever. <laughs> yes. I think I was just very alienated from my pleasure and my body. And I I think I'd grown up very 
disassociated, disconnected from my own pleasure. And I um, also, I was like the only girl in an all boys school for a year, which was like a a whole other uh, thing that did not go well. (laughs) Don't recommend it. Then after that, I went to an all girls school and the shock of learning something so essential, so late in life, just kind of blew my mind and I really wanted to address it. But also, I was on a personal journey, absolutely. And then I think I just wanted to also make that public, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, because I was like, there's no way I can be the only one feeling this, living this. And and I definitely am not. And yeah, as you were saying, like, it's really revolutionary stepping back and saying, hey, my pleasure is really important and I won't... Uh, it's this thing of like you're not responsible for your traumas but you are responsible for kind of addressing or healing it or finding your new way forward and yeah I guess I was kind of lucky enough to be able to also kind of maneuver away in into a field in which I could like using my artistic talent to also do something that was really meaningful and important to me felt really good mm. kind of having that combination of my two mm. loves mm-hmm. um yeah but I think I'd, I'd also had a I had an experience of two types of orgasm and one when I was really young and I didn't understand or not really young I think I was about 17 and it was that kind of more like full-bodied experience that's quite different to the clitoral experience and so again I was like oh wow even within female orgasm there's so much Mm. still variation and I thought it was interesting that I'd had that experience that was from penetration and more full-bodied but I'd actually kind of skipped over the clitoral side of things which was also really interesting like I think it's just such good work to concentrate on your own pleasure and women's pleasure in general. Like, the numbers are shocking. Mm. The amount of straight women who have never had an orgasm or don't Mm. regularly orgasm at all. And then also that leads to everything else in our society. Like, how much time and uh, space do women take for themselves or how much Mm. do they know their own bodies and respect parts of their own bodies and, and give them a full... You know, and and experience the full pleasure of their bodies. I mean, mm. in the end, it's really important. Um, important. And yeah, I mean, that does kind of bring us onto abortion because, like I said, I'm just so frustrated that as a woman, mm. everything I see, all the articles, you know, and these things have to be written and this activism needs to be done. But everything I see about my body. Mm nowadays Mm. is centered around the fucking abortion debate and i just feel like my body is so much more than that and my life is so much more than that Mm. and um yeah i just wanted to know like abortion obviously is being banned um more and more in the u.s it's also actually illegal in germany still officially yeah Ah. uh which a lot of people don't know it's sad to hear that it's still feels precarious still even though yeah mostly in Europe we mostly enjoy that right it just sucks it's so shit (laughs) it's so shitty and I think 
maybe when we do have a better cultural understanding and appreciation for women's bodies. I think for me, I come back to with sex, with birth, all humans, but particularly I feel like the female body is really at the centre of your your environment, your your sense of self and dignity and soul and your emotions and an abortion is all of those things, like deciding whether or not to have a child. It's all all completely wrapped up and it is it is absolutely a medical decision and it's a spiritual decision and it's a economic decision and women know people who are pregnant know in their bones whether or not they have the resources to continue with that pregnancy and they absolutely know when they do not and so they make that responsible choice for themselves and it's just bananas to me that anyone would think that they would know better than that person and I think my heart breaks for the generations of trauma that will come from children who aren't fully wanted and chosen because I hear pregnant women say I can't imagine being forced to go through this massively spiritually energetically taxing event which is also when you want it is the most incredible thing you can do if you truly want it but if if you don't I can't imagine like a worst punishment torture I don't know what my two cents maybe to bring it back to like a little bit more positive mm. um note you've already told us some amazing things about our bodies and female pleasure do you want to like do you have a few more like facts or little things that we can drop when we're having when we're trying to be <laughs> interesting at parties <laughs> about our bodies and our anatomy i love that yeah I, I i really love what you said about all the chat about your body in the news being quite negative and just how much amazing incredible stuff there is Oh, I'm trying to think. (laughs) I think the birth stuff is really where my kind of inspiration is at the moment. And and I have to say, I haven't given birth, so I can't fully say what it's like to embody that. And I know that there are different experiences, but I think just like, yeah, your, your kind of voice and your pelvic floor are very interconnected. And that's also a thing in birth as well. Like a lot of women kind of moo. It's this like, yeah, moo sound. And it really resonates with your pelvic floor and relaxes it. And your vagus nerves runs down. Your vagus nerve is this incredible, it's called the wandering nerve. And it serves pretty much every essential organ in your body. It's how if you've had a spinal cord injury, you're still alive, basically. And orgasm as well, you can still have, yeah. Uh, Our bodies are incredible. And so your vagus nerve, it runs down your neck, down your throat, along your hypothalamus. And when you do that kind of mooing sound, it kind of vibrates it. That relaxes your whole body. And like, these are things that like a lot of ancient cultures always knew. And we're kind of only just catching up with the science behind it, if you know what I mean. Like Mm. I think of like the monks and they have that arm and um, I'm sure many other 
cultures have some variations on it. Yeah, and I think that can come really come in really handy in sex as well if you kind of want to vocalize or or just notice if you're want to vocalize and it's getting maybe stuck in your throat if that's you want to say something or ask something or or just make a noise then go with it because <laughs> I think that's kind of part of like freeing up um and relaxing your body and the more relaxed you are the more your energy can flow the more your pleasure can flow life can flow through you all the good stuff cool um so that brings us on to what are the three things people can do to be a better person this week <laughs> uh, love this oh the first thing that jumped into my head was like just be really kind to yourself be a really good person to yourself and go after your your own needs it's very easy to forget them so don't forget your own needs thing to look at your vulva in a mirror it might be challenging it might be amazing and if that sounds like the worst thing you could do or something you don't want to do that's okay that's very normal we've been conditioned from very very early to think that's wrong but it's not it's very beautiful and hopefully you can start to see how absolutely beautiful it is oh also okay this thing, is three. thing three thing three visit gynodiversity.com.org they are an amazing initiative and they've been documenting all different types of vulvas all different skin colors shapes sizes hair no hair love it it's amazing and it will give you amazing perspective and you can see the beauty of female genitalia there (laughs) that sounds amazing we will link to it in our newsletter along with all of ali's links thank you so much for coming here and sharing all your amazing knowledge with us and with everyone i'm sure everyone's gonna be fascinated to learn more about their bodies thank Thank you thank you so much for having me i hope it made sense and i'm so so grateful as a long-time listener of misinformed i'm very honored (laughs) (laughs) thank you until next week goodbye If you like this show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as €4 a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed. For links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, requests or just to say hi misinformed.podcast at gmail.com We would love to hear from you.